Eileen McCotter Davis, welcome to the Inspired By Show. My relationship wasn't working and I did everything to try and make it work. And one day I just sat there, you know, just low, despondent, couldn't see a way out of this relationship. When you've been sacked, when you've lost a business, the inner saboteur kind of goes, I don't want you to be hurt again. I'm going to protect you. The only thing is the saboteur doesn't protect us in a nice way. We are looking for these quick fixes. And there's a lot of, you know, coaching programs saying, you know, I'll get your result in 90 days. <laughs> Hello, you've had behaviors for 10 years. I've now trained over 100 coaches and it was never in my radar. But it was never in my radar to be a coach. I truly believe things find you. Welcome to Inspired By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Dr. Davis, welcome to the Inspired By Show. Hi, it's good to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you traveled all the way down to come and join us on the show today. So Eileen, for those of us that have come across you before, I know you've been quite active in your career and you've done a lot around helping people with overcoming limiting beliefs and self-sabotage and so on. There's a lot I want to ask you, but one of the things that I find fascinating about your story was the start of your story. And I believe when I was doing my research, it started in the fitness industry. Yes. Is that right? So Tell me a little bit about what attracted you to the fitness industry that made you kind of want to jump in and start your journey there. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't. I think. God, that's a really good question. How did I get into the fitness industry? I was just always energetic, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I used to go to people's fitness classes, and then one day I just thought, I wonder if I could do that. And I never wanted to be a fitness instructor. I just went. Uh, to learn the education about bones, muscles, digestive system, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then a qualified as a personal trainer, got asked to cover somebody's fitness class. Uh, so I covered one class and then I had 10 classes and then I just went into personal training from there, nutrition and then into psychology. Wow. So they all kind of like merged together, yeah. Was it kind of like a ripple effect then? It's like you take on one thing and that then leads to another thing yes. and that leads to another thing. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And what what did you see was the similarities that were guiding you through those different parts of the learning journey for you? Uh, I think the needs of the client. Mm. Needs of the client being like the problems they were facing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, what, so to me, if a client comes to you and they want your help, then for me, I was like, oh, how can I help them? And then when they were coming with stuff that I couldn't help them with, I was like, oh, how can I go and learn that? And then maybe I can help the next client with that. Mm. So that's why I went from, you know, personal training, really, and this was a long time ago. I used to basically, basically just kill people in the gym. I was like, I'll mm. just kill you. Burpees, press-ups, you know, I was pretty tough. <laughs> uh, Sounds absolutely terrifying. Very militant, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then when I did personal training with people and you get to know people and they share their stuff with you, you're like, wow, they've got like challenges and challenges at home or challenges at work. And they were kind of offload their problems. You know, personal trainers are very much to me like hairdressers. You know, you go to a hairdresser, you get your hair done. But you also feel like you've been, you know, you've had a counsellor uh, mm. next to you as well. So it kind of started there, I suppose. And that's where my interest came 
towards human behavior because I was, you know, saying to a person, here's your personal training plan. Off you go. See you next week. And they'd come back and go, oh, you know, I didn't do it. And then I was like, why not? What's wrong with you? Type. That was my mm. way back then. And then I was like, oh, I just need to give them a food program. If I give them a food program, that will sort them all out. And I was like, no, that didn't work. So that was going on in my work life. In my personal life, my relationship wasn't working. And I did everything to try and make it work. And one day I just sat there, you know, just low, despondent, couldn't see a way out of this relationship. Um, and I was like, and then I thought, Do you know what? I'm trying to turn a circle into a square. And then I had this inner voice in my head go, there has to be another way, but I couldn't see the other way. So I remember I walked into a bookshop. I went, right, I'm going to read books. And I walked into a, whatever bookshop it was at the time, overwhelmed by all these books in his personal development section, I walked back out. I thought, okay, that's not the way for me. And then I uh, was online with this like uh, nutrition health forum. They mentioned this guy in America so I went, I'm going to fly out to America. So I flew out to America and I was in this room with a group of Americans and Canadians. And uh, this kind of coach said to me, you know, what if you teach people how to treat you? To which I said, I don't need this shit. <laughs> so I walked out of this room, but I left my keys and my uh, bag in this room. So I had to walk back in, right? I had nowhere to go. So I walked back in and obviously I love Americans and Canadians. Guess what they did? They all clapped. Yay! I went bright red and then I, it made me stay. And then yeah. I flew home that day, uh, that week I was there and I flew home a different person. Something shifted inside of me. Uh, however, my behaviours were the same and my habits were the same, but something shifted inside of me, which is... Stop blaming everybody else. There was part of me that was being a victim. Stop being a victim. And part of me learned about a concept called self-sabotage. Now, this is 15 years ago before self-sabotage was even a word over mm. here in the UK particularly. And then I went, oh, I'm sabotaging myself. Part of me is sabotaging my relationships. So I then kind of learned these concepts, kept going back to America but then I brought these concepts to my personal training clients because they were ultimately sabotaging their own health, mm -hmm. their body confidence, body respect, et cetera. And then I got known for someone, oh, if you're stuck, if you're struggling, Eileen's the person that can help you out. So that's kind of how my journey evolved. It was kind of like business and personal at the same time. And I just brought the two worlds together. Wow. I find that happens a lot though, right? Like yeah. normally it's not just one piece that needs fixing. And if, no. usually if there's a challenge we've got, like I imagine I'm not an expert in self-sabotage, but I imagine if you're sabotaging one area, you're probably a, a great at it that you're possibly sabotaging in more than one area of your life. Is that how it works? Sometimes, often my experience over the last 10 years uh, coaching, you know, lots and lots of people has been often we're more dominant at sabotaging one area. Mm. So for example, you know, I work with very successful business people and they're amazing at business, but they sabotage their health. Or there could be someone that's great at their house. You know, oh, I do self-care and they're the, they up at five in the morning and they go for the run and they're, they're eating the kale salad, but they sabotage making money. Mm. So I often see it's more dominant in one area. 
Uh, but I always see it in three areas, health, relationships, and what's the other one? I always do this. Health, relationships. Business. And business, money, yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And when you go back to your journey, so you've just found out about this whole self-sabotage thing, what were you sabotaging at that point? Relationships. Right. <laughs> so it's, and I see it in my clients now and in, even in myself, you know, it's kind of like I was turning my back on receiving love. Mm. And how many people turn their back on having opportunities? How many people uh, struggle to take just one step? So they go, I want more money. I want a beautiful man or a beautiful girlfriend. I want to live in a nice house. But part of them doesn't want that. Mm. And that's the bit that I work with. Wow. What, what do you do though if they don't know that? Because it sounds to me like we're saying, yes, I want it, but part of me doesn't want it. If I'm, say, oblivious, how how do I know? How do you know? How do we resolve something that we maybe aren't aware of yet? Well, I think uh, there has to be a level of awareness. And normally when people come to me, like I might be coaching someone, they go, I mean, you have to coach my husband. He's definitely self-sabotaging himself. And I'm like, great. Uh, is he aware of it? They go, no. I went, well, then no. <laughs> so there has to be an awareness that you kind of know, I'm going for this goal. I really want this for myself, but every time I take a step forward, it's like I take two steps backward. Mm. So normally the time people come to me, they're aware of it and they'll go, do you know what? I've tried this marketing course, this marketing course, this marketing course, or I've tried this dating app, this dating app, or I've tried this diet, this diet, this diet. So they've tried a lot of different things to help themselves. And then I help them with the part of them that is truly it comes across stubborn or resistant or not willing to help them. Mm. That's the part that I help them to unlock inside. Interesting. And so when you had this experience where you suddenly had this awareness, what helped you see the awareness? Because you said that, you know, business wasn't quite where you wanted it to be or your career side, you weren't getting the results for your clients because they weren't doing the work, but also your relationship wasn't where I wanted it to be. Where did the awareness come from you? Like, was there like a breakthrough moment or... Where did you sort of find that out and have that awareness? Yeah, I think it came from me just sitting down and go, okay, so what am I doing uh, and what am I not doing? And mm. that's when I went to, do you know what? I'm. Uh, then I started to read books. I had great friends, but I just thought I needed something else. So that was the voice in my head. And that's the voice that flew me to America. And I went to like an energy course on meridians, but it was really about blocks, emotional blocks and mindset blocks within yourself. And that's when I realized I was part of me was being the victim. But once mm -hmm. it kind of got, um, you know, it was suggested not put, you know, you don't go around to people, you're being a victim because that's mm -hmm. going to make them feel very uh, not nice and defend themselves. But when they said, you know, what if you're being a victim right now? And I was like, well, what's a victim? <laughs> you know, and then when the definition was given to me, I was like, oh my God, I do walk around the house feeling sorry for myself. I'm never going to find anyone, blah, 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 like that mm, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's when I was like, wow. So once I was, when I came home and I would pop into that behavior, I'd hear another voice going, okay, you're being a victim right now. And that's when you can start doing the work. And that's when, you know, ultimately what I teach people is how to coach themselves. So then when they're in the, their own behaviors, they can coach themselves out of those behaviors. Fantastic. It's quite, quite an interesting toolkit and skills 
to be able to do once you've got the awareness. Now, for you, Eileen, take me back there. So you, you know, you've come back from America, you've got this newfound awareness. How did you then transition away from the fitness industry into a hundred percent to the real, you know, human psychology, human behavior, and all the incredible things you're doing now? Again, naturally, organically, uh, I just still, you know, when I did personal training and fitness, I've always given it a hundred percent. I did really think about my clients and my clients needs and what they wanted and what benefited them and to certainly meet them where they were and that just got me more clients and mm. I suppose you know some credibility uh now, I just want to interrupt this episode with something really exciting I want to share with you. Maybe you've been listening to this episode or watching it thinking, Chloe, I've got an inspiring story. I would love to tell my story. Maybe you're sat there like many of our guests who have an inspiring story and know you have knowledge and experience you want to share with the world, but you don't quite know how to use it to help others. Well, I've worked with over 100 authors and co-authors to share their story in books and ultimately use their knowledge and experience that they've picked up on their way to help other people all over the world. And not only have they helped other people, they've gone on to be number one best-selling authors, speak on stages with well-known celebrities and feature on podcasts just like this. And maybe there's a part of you that thinks, you know what, Chloe, I would love to be doing that too. Well, let me tell you a secret. It all starts with planning exactly what you want to write or share in your own book. And one of the things that I've learned from working with so many different authors is that planning is the key to success. And so if there's a part of you that would like to be able to write and publish your own book or start sharing your story, sharing your message with people that you know that could really benefit from it, then I've got something special for you. I've come up with a planner that I've used to work with all of my authors so far that helps you to get your stories out of your heads and onto paper and ultimately into a published book. Now, normally that's only for our paying clients, but I'm going to be making it available as a gift to you as a loyal listener and follower of the Inspired by Show. So if you want to learn how to write your story, learn how to get your book out of your head onto paper and plan your best-selling book, then you can get access to this planner for free. All you've got to do, go to www.inspiredbybooks.co uk slash planner or to make it easier i've popped the link in the description for you today so click the link enter your details and get access to this writing planner now i cannot wait to hear what book idea you've come up with now back to the episode and then people started referring oh eileen do you know what someone you know this person's like you you should go over there and then I'd, doors just started to open and then I joined this marketing course uh, and that really helped me because I didn't even know what marketing was. Mm. Um, and then I learned that and then I just helped people within that forum. Uh, and then it just went, I went naturally then more into helping people with sabotage in their career. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And when you have this awareness yourself, is it like you're then aware of everything? So you might notice yourself sabotaging or is it kind of like you've now resolved it and you don't find yourself sabotaging as the expert? Great question. Um, for me personally, it's impossible to stop a behavior that protects you in some way. Mm. So to me, uh, there's a part of me that will always sabotage myself. It's how long, how much and how often I sabotage myself. So the behavior has lessened because if you think about... Um, you know, there's a part in all of us that is protect, wants to protect us. Like when you've had your, when you've been sacked, when you've lost a business, 
when you've, uh, you know, had a broken marriage or, you know, been dumped and your heart is hurt, mm. the inner saboteur kind of goes, I don't want you to be hurt again. I don't want you to be let down. I don't want you to be humiliated again. So I'm going to protect you. The only thing is the saboteur doesn't protect us in a nice way because it might eat 3,000 chocolate biscuits. And then you go, no, I don't want to eat them. I'm a fat cow now. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, or you'll sabotage yourself by procrastinating. You know, oh, I've got to do a video for my work. I've got to get out there. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get out there this week. The saboteur goes, oh, no. And then you procrastinate and you do other things in your business. Mm. Then, you know, show up. <laughs> Yeah. The thing I, I find really frustrating about this industry, if I can be really honest, Eileen, is that you're absolutely right. We can have an awareness. But what I find is often then people feel like we have we always tell ourselves off. Oh, no, it's that's my imposter syndrome doing that again. Or, oh, I'm self-sabotaging. And I find that sometimes we can be harder on ourselves yes. when we're aware. Yes. Do you notice this with your clients at all? Yes. And I think uh, because, again, we go back to that, you know, telling ourselves off. Mm. Because as children, it was a familiar behavior. We got told off. You know, if it wasn't at home, then it was at school or it was at mm. a football or a netball club of some kind that we, you know, we get told off. So we tell ourselves off. Again, that's just a behavior pattern that we can unlearn. And we can replace the telling off kind of parental authority voice to a compassionate godmother angel voice mm -hmm. like you know so I used to sabotage myself with you know food and chocolate I'm not going to eat it not going to eat it you know I'm not going to have any and then I'd go to a supermarket I don't know how the chocolate got in my basket and then I'd go home and I'd put it in my fridge and then the next day I'd say to my daughter Tiana shout the stairs you know did you eat that chocolate she's like what chocolate and I'm like oh my god I ate that chocolate I'm not even aware of it so and then I go I shouldn't have ate that that's bad. I'm wrong. And I changed that dialogue afterwards to, ah, I ate the chocolate. I wonder what is going on for me. I wonder what might be missing for me at this time. Because if we eat things or we have behaviors like that people don't want to talk about, we all have sabotaging behaviors that include drink, drugs, pornography, eating, gambling, vaping, whatever it could be, yeah? And we don't want to share them. But all of those behaviors kind of help us to hide and feel bad about ourselves. So if we question them and make it make us feel worse, like, why did you do that? You're stupid. You're supposed to be healthy. What are people going to think of you? And instead we become compassionate and go, I wonder what that was about. And, and another voice always turns up with the answer. But, you know, if you look at my career, if you look at my childhood, you know, my childhood was, you know, I was brought up in Coventry. It was like a mini island. My parents were Irish. I wasn't brought up with compassion. I was brought up, what's wrong with you? I'll give you a clip around the ear. What are you crying for? So mm. that's ultimately how I talked to me. Mm. Uh, and then one day I said, that's got to change. Wow. And it's, it's knowing those voices though and knowing they can change because like you've said, a lot of people, we just go with what we've thought from our upbringing, yeah. you know, at school with parents. And I personally think there's a lot of it where we need to unlearn yes. that voice because that voice has only learned it from other voices it's yes. heard before. Yeah, 
So it does come to unlearning it and now relearning this new thing. Yes. You talk there about food and and self-sabotage through food. I can really relate to that. That's definitely something. We, I mean, we had a little bonding session before the recording about my love for chocolate. Yeah, you know? I bought you chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the key I think here is to know that it's about being curious, what I'm hearing from what yes. you're sharing. It's, it's asking more questions and going, well, why am I feeling the urge to yeah. have a whole bar of chocolate and not realize I've done it? Yes, it's kind of like how to become your own inner coach. Mm. However, you know, I've got, you know, two things that really bug me out there in the industry. Uh, one is we are looking for these quick fixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even there's a lot of, you know, coaching programs or marketing programs or saying, you know, I'll get your result in 90 days. <laughs> Hello, you've had behaviors for 10 years. So, you know, that's one of my biggest bugbearers is these kind of like seductive promises that we're giving to people. Mm. The other one is blame. Quit blaming your parents. Quit blaming your upbringing. And I'm not trying to discredit that some people had a very challenging upbringing, but we have to now go, do you know what? My upbringing wasn't nice. I dislike parts of it. But how can I understand, you know, where my parents were coming from? and make that peace within myself so I can redirect my future, if that makes Mm. sense. So there are two things that do my tits in on a daily basis. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) I love the honesty and the directness because I totally agree with you, Eileen. And I think you're right though, because you mentioned victim mode. Blame and victim mode are like hand in hand, right? Because it's the victim that makes us blame. Yeah. And I I love the fact that you mentioned parents there because I think a lot of people blame their parents. I've also noticed a lot of people blaming relationships not working. Yes. The temptation to say that person should have done that and we'd still be together. Yes. Have you you seen that often or have you experienced that yourself where blame comes in with other relationships as well? Oh, absolutely. Because the human ego is I want you to do as I want you to do. I want Mm. you to live according to my values. But how can two people that come together have one set of values? And if they do, often one is the leader and the other one's a sheep. Mm. And they either have a very codependent relationship or within five years, they split and they hate one Mm. another. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's where the sabotaging comes in, doesn't it? Yes. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about sabotaging health side. What experience have you had for any of our listeners or viewers when it comes to sabotaging, say business, because I see that so much with my clients, yes. you know, they do really well. I personally experienced this. I did really, really well when I, I remember being stuck on like 45K a year when yep. I first started my business and it was around the same amount of money as my old salary, shock horror, hit, yeah. hit the ceiling I was comfortable with. And I remember the first time I ever, 12 months later made uh, 250K. And I remember sabotaging that so much because I just didn't know how to receive. Yep. I've gone through a lot of therapy through that process now. What, what what have you experienced that you, either yourself or with your clients getting stuck with sabotaging their business and their money? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, main thing is kind of not showing up and kind of not being lighthearted and playful with the very thing that they had an idea or they've got a passion about in the first place. Mm. So, you know, even if I look back to my past, you know, I was sabotaging my relationship. I was flaky in my relationship. The person that I attracted in my relationship was also flaky in my experience. And then I was bringing that energy into my business and being a little bit flaky in business. So again, once I recognized that, I went, now hold on, I'm okay with sabotaging myself, but what if I can help other people not sabotage themselves? Mm -hmm. And that's when we have to kind of make agreements with ourselves. But the challenge is the saboteur, saboteur can be dominant, can be strong, 
people sabotage them not doing videos, not doing posts, mm. not going to meetings, not getting on a phone call, talking to a client, not trying something new, not investing in themselves. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. <laughs> mm. I find that really interesting though, Eileen. You mentioned there in your personal experience, in your words, were flaky in your relationship, flaky in your business. Do our saboteurs always show up in the same way across our life or do we sabotage in different ways? Yeah, great question. I think for some people, it can be a very similar pattern. Mm. And for some people, it can show up in different ways. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. And you mentioned flakiness there. For me, I think I can really relate to the flaky feeling. One thing I noticed in my sabotaging history was around sales yes you know, I would make a sale and then the person had it paid and I wouldn't want to follow up yes because I didn't want to come across as desperate or yes. salesy and I still remember the voice in my head saying to me oh you can't ask for that it'll make you look desperate and all of these things and I then learned that that was my way of sabotaging yes so what what do you think we can do when it comes to our business so that we because this is a lot of these are costly mistakes that we can't really Absolutely, afford to make yeah yeah I think the main thing is to want you know, for me, inner work is essential, especially mm -hmm. if your saboteur is stopping you from doing the next thing. Uh, then inner work is the thing. The challenge is people are looking to, oh, if I do a podcast, that'll be the thing. If I do a newsletter, that'll be the thing. If I do an event, a workshop, that'll be the thing. So I think for me, the inner work is essential. And then mm -hmm. after that, then is to work with the saboteur because the saboteur then will help you as well. Uh, and then just meet you where you are one step at a time one day at a time and then work on those past loyal voices because a lot of these loyal voices go back to our family and our upbringing like who do you think you are don't be too big for your boots what will people think of you you're not meant to have money it can go back to that sense of belonging if that makes mm. sense and how we fit in yeah uh, but again that's unteachable and we can teach you know we can, we, the good thing about our brain, my point of view, is you can wake up new parts and it's mm. like a muscle in the body. You know, if you work a bicep curl, you know, do bicep curls, your bicep gets strong. The muscle that was missing in my brain was my own self-approval. Mm. So once I worked on that muscle in my brain, it's strong, it's dominant. And yeah. that's what's helped me. Wow. How did you work on that muscle in your brain around self-approval? I started first really simply. I remember this coach about 15 years ago saying to me, well, you know, I mean, how do you praise yourself? And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, you weirdo. I was like, you weirdo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was like, well, when do you, you know, look at what you've done? And I was like, what? And he went, well, you're a single parent. You've brought up your daughter. You've got two businesses. How do you do that? And I just went, that's what you do. And he went, no, that isn't what people do. So I just totally dismissed my own energy, my own effort, my own tenacity. So I started with a praise journal and I called it myself P and P, which is pillow and praise. So I just started every night when I went to bed, when I'm going to praise myself for one thing and it'd be anyone. And it might be, do you know what? I made a meeting today. I spoke to a new client today. I went for a walk today. I, you know, whatever it could be. And I just started with that and that muscle in my brain started to grow. And then I started to work on that affirming part of my brain. Because normally that affirming part of our brain we get from masculine energy, which we normally get from our dad or mm. father figures. And many people haven't had that. 
And that doesn't mean your dad was bad or didn't do it right or did it wrong because he possibly didn't have it either too, if that makes sense. Mm. So for me, that was was missing in me because the Irish way was my dad was it's my way or the highway type thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just started to just praise myself. And when you praise yourself, you don't turn around and go, wow, I'm the best thing. You know, because to me, that's arrogance. That's not humbleness. Mm. It's, do you know what? I think I did a good job there for me. I'm pleased mm. with myself. It's an internal, internal praise, if that makes sense. Mm. Fascinating. I find this really interesting because I would say, I feel like I'm having a therapy session as we're sat here, Riley, and it's like, you need to give me your bill at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> for me, that's always been something I struggle with as well. And I'd say I'm probably still on that journey of giving praise because I'm the same. A lot of people say to me, Chloe, you do things so much faster than everybody else. You know, you were 24, you achieved this and you've done this in business. And I'm like, yeah, but everybody can do that. I just think a lot of people don't do it. So to yeah. me, I'm just like, it just... Yeah. It's normal, is yeah. the language I often find. So I'm, I might I might borrow that yeah. hello and praise and give that a go. Yeah. Give that a go. Because if my not, journey. we go around dismissing ourselves. You're dismissing that part of you that had. I mean, look at what you've created here, Chloe. It mm. takes tremendous courage, tremendous mm. tenacity, tremendous patience, and, you know, money and investment and your heart. Like, and you mm. want to say to that part, thank you for helping me. Thank you for allowing me to play in life. And then I find those little parts of our character that want to hold us back. They're like, oh, you're, you're not going to tell me off then. I'll, I'll do the next one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like that reassurance yes. in ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. if you rely on reassurance from other people, then you're doomed. Because when they give it you, you might feel great or you don't believe it. Or if they don't give it you enough, you feel shite. Mm, yeah, you do. And that's the challenge, I think, as well. Because as you mentioned, there's some parts of us that we either haven't had in our lives before. Like you mentioned talking about masculine energy or, you know, dad figures. And I often find as humans, we're kind of like trying to work out the difference of, do I need to be masculine in this space? Do I need to be feminine in this space? Yeah. You know, being both female personal brands, we both built businesses. Yes. And I often find myself, people say to me, do you not feel like you're too much in your masculine when you do things like that? And can't you be a bit more feminine when you do things like that? Yeah. And, and it's interesting you touched on that where when we are affirming, it's through our masculine. Yeah. What's your view about this whole females being masculine or should we main, remain feminine? What's your thoughts? Well, I don't know how you can have one without the other, mm. because if we've, you know, had two parents who had two different roles and sometimes the roles can be mixed over, right? It could mm. be that, you know, a mother's role energetically is to inspire a child to know self and a father's role energetically is to acknowledge a child through their journey. So for me, that's like energetically, but those roles could be reversed where the father could have been more sensitive and listening, nurturing ear, and the mother could have been more the provider or protector. So to me, it's not about gender, but we need both masculine and feminine energy. We need a balance of it. And masculine energy for me is action taking, is, uh, you know, productivity, is, um, you know, doing and feminine energy is compassionate energy, is receiving, is being, is intuition, is uh, softness, tenderness. So for me, we need both, right? Mm, we yeah. need both those traits. And I'm seeing men that lack in, you know, nowadays I'm seeing men that are lacking in their masculine energy and I'm seeing, or I'm seeing men lacking in their feminine energy and same with, with females too. 
Mm. Uh, and for me, you know, I was very masculine, but inside I wasn't. I was a little girl that just wanted to be noticed, wanted to be heard, wanted to be loved and wanted to be cuddled. But then I was like, no, don't cuddle me. You know, no wonder I was good at boxing. I was a boxing instructor for years. <laughs> I can still box <laughs> if you need to. Yeah, my husband's six foot three, six foot four. And even now, sometimes I'm like, come on. And like, really, he can knock me out with his little finger. But there's still that part of me. He's like, no, I'm going to protect myself, right? Yeah. But now there's that other part of me that says, hey, Spencer, I'm scared. Part of me is scared right now. Mm. And I can be feminine about that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think it's nice to know that we can have both parts. Yes. We haven't got to be one. I, I remember when I first became a female speaker and I was being trained to speak on stages and people were saying to me, you need to stand like this because you can't, That otherwise the way you're standing, I used to stand with my legs crossed. Yes. And um, I was always told, you can't stand like the that. dominant stance. Yeah, I must have a do- <laughs> Exactly. And I remember thinking, this feels so alien. Now I've learned it so much, anywhere else doesn't. It feels weird. But I think so many times we're trained to like knock yeah. certain parts out of us that's our default yeah and you talked about it there where you know you've now learned about you know what a a mother's energy is and a a father's energy is and I think sometimes we can learn these new behaviors but we still can't forget our upbringing or you know we've still were surrounded by this how how did you find it going then back into your let's go being a mother first Mm. rather than your own family knowing all this has, how did you then go on to be a parent? Because I can imagine in my head, I mean, I'd probably overthink everything. I'd be like, yeah. am I going to do that? Oh no, I'll damage my child if I do that. What if I do this? Yeah. How did you How did you navigate that? Well, I remember my daughter, she was, uh, you know, six or seven at the time. And I'd gone from doing a lot of, you know, energy work around food and, uh, you know, she'd come home and uh, before we'd have our dinner, I'd put my hand over the carrots to feel the energy of the carrots. Wow. And she'd be like, mom, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, carrots, you know, have feelings because she was six and stuff. So I'd always bring this stuff back to her, right? And then when I got more into coaching and I learned about coaching and learned about the roles of a parent, I mean, I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, I have messed up my daughter. Like, I've really screwed her over. That in itself was me yet again back in masculine energy, beating myself up and not Mm. being compassionate to actually, what if, Eileen, you've done the best that you've done with what you knew at the time as a mother? So I kind of had the two voices that still pop up from time to time. And then I started to share some of this stuff with her and talk to her in a more compassionate way. And I remember one day she came home with her report card, you know, at school or, you know, the brand envelope with, you know, the parents' evening results in. And she used to give it to me and she used to put it on the stairs and she used to go, Mom, uh, there's my report. And I used to go, and I used to say before I learned this stuff, oh, what am I going to read now? You know, Chana, why can't you just be quiet? You know, Mm. which is what teachers used to say to me, right? And I'm saying it to her, why can't you just be quiet at school? Why can't you just go? I remember saying to her once, why can't you just do the schoolwork in the, um, you know, in the classroom and play in the playground? You know, I mean, how telling is that? Mm. How demoralizing was that? But I didn't know any better. I was coming from a place of care because I wanted to do well, right? But once I learned this, I mean, this one day she left it on the stairs and I said, oh, I says, T, I'm not going to read it. She went, what? I went, no, it's yours. I'd love you to tell me about it. And she said, what are you on about? I said, well, they're writing about you. What if you read it to me? And what if you let me know if you agree or disagree with the teacher? And it, we had such a magical, phenomenal moment. And she read it out. She went like, math teacher went, 
I agree with what that teacher says. I personally don't like that teacher, mom, so I don't listen to a thing that they say. But another teacher, she said, I actually disagree with that, what they're saying. So I was helping her to kind of parent herself mm. rather than me tell her she was good one minute and bad the next minute. And I think that's what we can do with children as they get older. When children are little, we have to parent them. But when they get to be a teenager, how can we teach them to parent themselves? And what I did there was, now, Tiana, from now on, how can you approve of yourself? And how can you inspire yourself? Mm. And I'm going to be here to direct and support. Wow. So, yeah, it changed from that moment. That's 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 such a beautiful way of parenting. And I, I can actually see, I can imagine myself being in her situation, being like, she's then responsible for the results. She's then, you know, yeah. not blaming. She's not comparing, but she's taking ownership of them. Mum, I agree. Yeah. Don't agree with this. Maybe that's a little bit right. Maybe I could have done a bit better there. But she's taking full ownership. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I find this fascinating. So, you know, take me on that journey then. So you've now done this work, you know, you've even talked about the energy, you know, you've, you've very much gone down this, if I can, woo woo path of like very yep. spirituality, energy, not just the scientific pieces, but actually just the more energetic, intuitive pieces. Yeah, because to me, the feminine side. Mm. And, yeah. and how did you find going down that journey, being the fact that you'd been so in your masculine for yeah. a while, as you'd explained? Well, I meant, meant many years ago, I went on a Paul Check course and Paul Check was massive in the fitness and nutrition industry back in the day. And he was American and uh, we were in Eastbourne on this course. I was there with like loads of personal trainers. So, you know, butch guys, everybody's mm. ripped. All the girls look like fit, you know, we're all personal trainers, very masculine. And uh, he said, oh, you know, I want us to do energy vibration. And I was like, what the hell? I thought we were going to learn about, you know, circumduction, pronation of body parts and stuff. And he, he sat there and he went, oh, we, and we had to close our eyes and do this work. And I was there looking at the people going, this is mental. Get me out of here. This is crazy <laughs> shit. But then I went, another voice went, well, I'm here now. And they did this energy circle thing. And he said, who wants to come into the middle to feel energy? You know, who's got a trauma or whatever? And I went, well, no. He says, but I went, do you know what? I don't believe this. So do you know what? I'm here now. Mm. And I stood in the middle and we did this energy thing. And I could just feel energy go through me, behind me and around me. I felt like the Ready Breck advert. You're probably too young for the Ready Breck advert. It's like porridge you used to eat back in the day. And there's like a, when you'd eat it, it'd give you lots of energy. It'd be like an orange light around you. Oh, wow. And I felt there was orange light all around me. So I felt weird. And then I came home, didn't tell anyone. I was like, that was weird. But then I went back again and did level two. <laughs> and then just started being more open rather than switched off. Mm. And then I became, I became smart at sharing it with people that were curious. Because if you share something that you're interested in with someone who is not open or curious, they will shut you down. Yeah. They will shut you down. So that's when I made another decision for myself. No longer share stuff with people who aren't curious. Mm. Which is a really protective thing to do isn't it yeah. because often those voices that come we already have enough voices in our head sabotages yeah. or whatever doubts and then we put those voices inside they go maybe they're right you know one thing knocks us yes and off we go yeah 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 fantastic and so you've then gone on this journey you've then started working with energy at what point did you go do you know what I'm going to say goodbye to my personal fitness and you know personal training life and go 100% into this track 
I think I just had a calling and my passion was changing. And I just kind of thought, you know what, I've been in the uh, personal, you know, the fitness side for about 20 years mm. uh, and I'm loving, I just feel like I'm serving here. Uh, so I just want to do more of that. So I kind of just made the decision that, you know what, I want to do more of that. How can it happen? And it was a slow decision. It wasn't mm -hmm. uh, a fast one because I was very loyal and I was very good at what I did. And I was known for that. I kind of had like a label, you know, you're mm -hmm. a PT, you're a fitness instructor. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to embark on this new journey and give it a go. And it was hard. It was really hard at the beginning. There was days when I was supposed to do my marketing and I, you know, I've always had dogs and instead I'd just walk the dog. The dog was getting fitter and fitter <laughs> and I wasn't doing any marketing because I was really getting in my own way. And then yeah. I was like, how can I? And I just started with, I'm just going to give, you know, voluntary coaching sessions. This is years ago as well. I'm just going to give people complimentary one-to-ones. I'm going to practice. And I just started to practice and practice and people referred and more people came back, if that makes sense. Yeah, it is hard though. And I think you first start out anyway, but for you, it was harder because you were essentially redefining yourself. Yes. There was like a label, everyone knew yep. you as that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I've certainly gone on my own journey in business over these years. How, how did you redefine yourself? And did you find it a struggle to stop people going, I'm not doing the personal training anymore? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is me now. Well, I think some people kind of rip the plaster off, don't they? They said, you know, you know, I'm working with a lady at the uh, moment. She's now a holistic therapist. You know, she was working in a bank and she just saved up money in her banking career and then just said, you know, what? I'm going to jump 100% into this. She ripped the plaster off. That doesn't really personally match my character. So I kind of do this thing where I, I built a bridge. So I, I merged the two worlds together. So for me, I was doing personal. I made a decision one day. I'm no longer doing personal training. I called myself a personal trainer with a twist. And every person I personal trained also got coaching. Nice. So I merged the two together. And then eventually I just did less classes, less classes, and then made more space. And, you know, it's a bit like a garage. I think I got this from Lucy Johnson once that, you know, if you have a garage and you empty it out, uh, all of a sudden it's filled with stuff again, crap again. So I did the same. I emptied out the personal training garage and had the space for coaching clients and, and they turned up. Mm. However, I had to show up. I couldn't just sit at home underneath a tree going, I'm going to manifest everything, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's feminine. I had to action. I had to do the both. If that yeah. makes sense. And that's exactly what you meant though. It can't be, you have to have both sides. Yes, now, both sides. Eileen, one of the things that I find fascinating about your story is that you've gone on this journey, which is amazing anyway, but then you haven't just stopped with coaching others. You've then started training others to coach using your methodology. Yes. Which let's be honest, is quite a big jump and it's quite a big impact that you're, you're making. What was going through your mind to make that jump into now using your methodology to train other people to coach in it? Yeah, well, again, I'd say it always comes from my clients mm. because a client came to me. She says, I mean, how can I do what you do? And I said, fly to America. And she's like, I'm not going to be able to do that because I committed to going to America. Like my uh, coaching education took nine years because I can only go to America once a year, you know, leave my daughter behind, the mm. logistics, the investment. I did 35 hours of dedicated training at a time. So it took me a long time. And I said, just go to America. She went, I can't do that. And she went, well, how can I do what you do? And I went, I don't know. And then I found uh, a governing body, educational uh, place here. I went to them. I then became an accredited coach. So I'm 1% of the accredited coaches in the UK. 
apparently a fellow level because I've done so many thousands of hours. And then I just broke down all the stuff that I knew and I was sharing into a training module. And then people uh, came to me and they wanted to be coach. So I've now trained over 100 coaches and it was never in my radar, but it was never in my radar to be a coach. Mm. I truly believe things find you. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And you mentioned there, you know, you've had lots of mentors. You mentioned Lucy Johnson. You mentioned a few other fitness people. Who has inspired you or guided you on this journey that you never really had a vision for, but you've kind of just gone with the flow through? It's funny. When I chat to my clients about this, I always think we have, you know, everyone has their own words for them, like earth angels. Mm. But, you know, everyone, I think, even has one at school. They have that teacher that just, you know, when I say to someone, tell me the teacher that you really dislike, they go, oh, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. But who's the teacher that you liked? And when they talk about that teacher, they go, that teacher just took an interest in me. That teacher believed in me. So I had, you know, teachers at school. You know, our teachers at school said, Arlene, you're never going to amount to anything. You never shut up. You've got too much energy. You can't sit your ass still. You know, and they went, oh, I get paid for talking. I got paid for moving. So, you know, and then I had uh, a guy that I worked with when I worked with young offenders, uh, like a, he was my boss. And he could see in me what I couldn't see in me. And he said, you're going to fly. And he brought me a book called John Livingston Siegel. And his name was Nick Lister. He was a catalyst in my life. Mm. And then my coach in America, John, he was a catalyst in my life. You know, my husband now, he sees things in me that I can't see in me. He's another catalyst in my life that uh, a lap, just walked in the door now. My husband's just, you know, sent me a text. Only thank you for living and inspiring me. Wow. Uh, but he inspires me. So I think there's many people that inspire you on your life. I call them like earth angels mm. that just, you know, say something, they plant that little seed and then you mm. go, oh, maybe I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where a lot of us get our visions from in the first place, isn't it? I, I, some people are born, born probably bold word, but have this vision that they can see really clearly. They're like, that's what I want to achieve. Yes. I never had that. Yeah. And I remember when I first started in business thinking I was broken because everybody else has this really clear vision. They want to have this much money in their bank account. They want to have this many clients. They want to have this many team members. And I was like, I just want to enjoy it. And yeah. I just want to have a nice lifestyle and whatever that looks like. Yes. Then I'm happy. Yeah. For me, it was always about the hours I'm working. I don't want to work ridiculous hours yes. rather than I want to have a you know million pound mansion in London, for example. Yeah. It's more a case of... This is the life I want. Yeah. For you, has your vision got clearer or are you still feeling like you're just going with the flow and seeing where it ends? Yep. No, my, collision, my vision isn't clear. Mm. Uh, and again, I coach a lot of people who have a clear vision. You know, I want to work, earn 5 million here, 10 million there. I want to have this, I want to have this. And honestly, most of the time their vision doesn't match up to uh, their reality and mm. because then those expectations don't get met then they get disheartened or they get the vision and there's still something missing inside and they have to go on and create the next vision so for what works for me personally is that doesn't mean I don't set intentions that doesn't mean I don't have goals that doesn't mean I don't have aspirations but I just trust that the vision will appear and it will be how it is mm. um so, you know, I, I never had a vision to be a coach. Well, I never had a vision to teach personal training. You know, mm. I never had a vision to work with young offenders. That was my first job. Like, I never had that vision. Mm. So uh, I just have trust. And if I look at people who have exceptional businesses, they too don't have a five-year or 10-year vision. Mm. They just 
are really good at looking after what's in front of them now and thinking about what's ahead a little bit. Mm, yeah. Because then you can also use your intuition Absolutely. to guide yourself in the middle. And then when things go wrong, which they will, yeah. you know, if there's a secret to them not yeah. going wrong, then I'm up for it. Yeah. But traditionally, things go wrong. And if we've got such a structured vision, we've got no wiggle room for no. it. It's then the knock-on effect of that didn't work, that didn't yes. work. Oh my gosh, I'm so far off yeah. the trajectory I wanted to be. Hence, pressure, yeah. blame, victim. Yeah. And then we go back through this. Too many met expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. And Eileen, you mentioned, obviously, we've talked about you coaching other coaches. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned there about how you didn't really have a vision for coaching. You've been in the industry for a while now. What are your beliefs or opinions on the coaching industry at the moment? Because there's so many like buzzwords and pop-up coaches everywhere. Yeah. What's, What's your thoughts on where we're going as a coaching industry? Um, I think, you know, it's funny, Paul Check, who I do believe is a big visionary, he said absolutely years ago, uh, we're, we're going to move away from as much from, you know, uh, doctors and we're going to and personal training and we're going to go into coaching because uh, people need, you know, cheerleaders, support, mm. uh, some, you know, with someone they can offload without, you know, having to take a tablet. And I'm not saying there's, there's this, you know, a place for that, mm. the medical, uh, there is a place for the like medical stuff, but there's also a, a place for coaching. Um, the, the challenge I dislike is the, the seductive coaching that is out there that gets on my tits. Like, I'm going to change you. I'm going to do this for you. Nope. It is, I am going to be there to help you to help yourself. So I think for me, I would love if coaching was more moderated. Uh, You know, all of my coaches are certified. And then some of those go to be accredited coaches. They're all insured. They haven't just done a course in a weekend. And I'm not minimizing courses in weekends. They have their place. But I think you really, it should be like going to university. You need to do your hours. You need to do your practical hours. Mm -hmm. You need to excel. And you need to be honest and know, actually, uh, I don't have the skill set for this client. Mm -hmm. And put your hands up to that. I need to refer this client on. I'm very clear on who I won't coach. Mm -hmm. Probably more clear on that on who I will coach. Yeah. But that's part of the qualification and experience, yes, doesn't absolutely. it? I, I was one of the few who I started my coaching business before I actually had any accreditation or any qualification at all. And I remember having these conversations with people and there was one particular person who had a mental illness at the same time. And that was the first red flag. I was like, this is not for me. Yes. It's not my remit. And that's when I then went and got qualifications. Yes. And I do, I agree with you. I think there's so much risk as well. You yeah. Know, if someone comes to you and is really expecting, again, you to fix them or heal them, which is a lot yeah. of people's beliefs yeah most people who seek out coaches don't realize that it's something within themselves they need to fix but it's it's almost like dangerous that we can have that effect on someone you know yes people are coming to us vulnerably they take the armor off and yeah I think if people aren't qualified properly it can be really damaging yeah and I think we just need some protection the client needs protection and that's certainly I don't want to discredit that there are phenomenal coaches out there probably not certified not accredited and have phenomenal experience however I just feel that if we are certified insured accredited Mm -hmm. we have some sort of protection Uh, And you have some sort of guidelines. Like you wouldn't go to a dentist and the dentist said, hey, you know, I do dentistry because I had a dentist. That's what's happening in the coaching world. Oh, I, I, you know, I had a coach and I like, you know, I like that. So I now want to be a coach. 
you know, and I have many coaches that come to me and they have a certificate, but it's the practical hours and the belief and the confidence they need. And I say, guys, you've got to practice, mm. practice, practice, practice. And then your confidence and your belief will grow. And people see it. People know it. People come to you and they then, you know, the proof is in the pudding, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, definitely. What I've seen as well is people with, you know, questionnaires that they have to, you know, here are my 20 questions that I will ask you as a coach. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think there's a way of asking questions, you know, all yeah. the accreditations. But sometimes I think you need to go where the client needs to go as yes. well. Have your questions in your heads, but not. Yeah. checklist here's this like like almost interviewing like we're yeah. doing here you know there's no questions written too much anywhere. masculine energy in my experience yeah. it's structured high structure but again mm. that's because someone maybe hasn't practiced enough so they're worried they're concerned they're genuinely scared like i don't want to get it wrong i want to get it right mm. i want to say the right thing what what question do i say after the next question <laughs> yeah. you know rather than for me holistic coaching is you give it back to the client so what would be a great question for you right now? Where would you like to go now? What do you think you need in this moment? So you give it back to the clients because the client for me has their own answers mm. when we hold the space for them to connect to their own inner wisdom. Yeah, I love that. Mm. And that also stops any codependency as well, Absolutely. doesn't it? Because yeah. I've also seen that in the industry where people, let's play, you know, I'm a, I'm a brand new coach. I need the clients, so I don't want that person to finish working with me. Yeah. There's almost like that conflict of, I want them to get better, but I don't want them to get so better that yeah. they don't need to pay me. Yeah. That's not what we want, right? No. We want no, people absolutely. to be well enough that they don't need the coaching anymore. Or go, do you know what? I'm going to have monthly ca coaching sessions yeah. with you just to keep me on track, yes. sustain, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. I've got clients been with me four, five, six years, mm -hmm. and I do, you know, uh, five live events, and they just come to plug back in. Mm. And they go, I love to just plug back in because in life they get back in their head again with, you know, pressure, targets, outcomes, systems, mm. etc. And they just get a weekend to connect back to their heart again. That gives, you know, gives them a big boost of energy and off they go back out again. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, I feel like I could talk to you about this for ages. Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating subject. Now, Eileen, you talked so much about your own past. You've talked about what you're doing now, talked about live events. What's next for Eileen McCotter-Davis? Well, because I've been doing a... Uh, uh, coaching training business for some time however never officially launched it I'm now next week taking myself to Ireland to hide away and to work on a website copy which part of me doesn't like hence I'm hiding away to get it done <laughs> clear diary yeah. uh, and I'm launching my holistic coaching school so yeah I've now going to have a holistic coaching school and hopefully with different levels of quality coaching so it doesn't have to be an astronomical price for people to be a certified and a quality coach and there can be different mm -hmm. levels to meet them where they are so I want to go into that because I just feel that the more that I be a trainer and an educator in this field then I can you know people can share this and the ripple effect is huge mm -hmm. and that we can make coaching affordable for all so some people might want to do high ticket coaching, but somebody, some people might not. And it can be in all levels of the community in all levels of society, rather than, you know, if you've got a coach, it's a luxury. Mm. Why, why can't everyone have a cheerleader? Yeah. Oh, it's such a fantastic way to wrap up this interview. I think mm. it's so important, isn't it? Because we don't always have to be the people that have the money, get the coaching. Because actually, it might actually be opposite way around. Who knows? Yeah. You don't, your budget doesn't necessarily define your problems yeah. or your challenges or what 
assets and resources you can yeah. use to fix them. Like my hairdresser, for example, I've never paid to get my hair done in 15 years and she's never paid for a coaching session. We just swap. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's like, it, this is your skills. This is my yeah. skills. Let's yeah. see how we can make it happen. Yeah, she, she does my hair. And she goes, I, wor- I work on her head. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get loads of people reaching out to you now going, oh my God, I can do your hair. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaching. Can you do that? Be like, what, what other Why treatments not? do you want? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, Eileen, it's been great, great talking to you. And thank you for being so inspiring here. Obviously, as you know, the reason you're sat here is actually from my really close friend and business partner, Shim Ravalia, who recommended you from her episode oh, on yes. the show. So you probably already know what's coming. We have a tradition on the show where you can recommend someone that you believe has an inspiring story that you think we should have on the show next. Who have you got in mind? Oh, wow. I could, wow, what a question. I could recommend hundreds. You know, I'd love to recommend each and every one of my clients because for me, they are my source of inspiration Mm -hmm. with their, how they show up with their courage and their tenacity. Uh, however, with not having permission to say their names, probably won't do that. Mm. So probably another other people I can think of who'd be okay with me saying their name. One would be my husband, uh, mm. Spencer. He is, you know, built and created created a phenomenal business. Uh, you know, with uh, three of the directors and how they work together and what they've created has been, you know, phenomenal in the construction industry. And the other one would be, you know, my, uh, she was a client years ago uh, and then became uh, a client of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became a client of hers. She was a hairdresser, would be my uh, good friend, Paz. Again, too inspirational. She's gone from, you know, working in the hairdresser, uh, bringing up two beautiful uh, children to now internationally flying all around the world, being an educator in hair and hair products and to me she's a coach within herself and she's a true inspiration so yeah probably Paz. Oh fantastic well thank you so much we'll, we'll have two two for one I love it uh, well thank you so much Eileen we'll most definitely be reaching out to both your husband and to Paz and see if we can get them on the show. That's great thank you and thank you Chloe for your inspiration. No problem thank you for being here well guys what an episode that has been I know there were so many golden nuggets shared on there if you are watching on our YouTube channel, do make sure that you share in the comments below. What was the most inspirational part of Eileen's message that you heard? Maybe you're a coach right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to learn and upskill. Or maybe you're sat there going, I feel like I'm sabotaging myself too. And I would love to be able to remove those sabotages or at least manage them and be aware of them. Let us know in the comments and let us know what you found the most inspirational part of this episode. Also, if you are watching on YouTube or you are subscribed on what or listening on any of our podcast platforms if you haven't already subscribed to the show and followed the show make sure you follow so you don't miss our most inspiring episodes that are coming up soon i'll see you next week